Welcome to the radio podcast production of William Shakespeare's Hamlet, presented by the Shakespeare Theatre Company's Academy for Classical Acting at George Washington University. Lead sponsorship support for the Academy for Classical Acting provided by Dr. Julie M. Feinsilver. The ACA repertory season is generously sponsored by Arthur and Shirley Ferguson. Additional support for Hamlet provided by Ms. Catherine B. Elwell, Tim and Susan Gibson, and Sheldon Pratt. Thank you to all our supporters and donors. To learn more about the actors in the Academy, please visit our website at www.aca.shakespeartheatre.org. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. William Shakespeare's Hamlet, presented by the Academy for Classical Acting at Shakespeare Theatre Company, featuring Rachad Amaklouf, Libby Barnard, Catherine Coppa, Christy Corin, Daniel Hines, Claire Eine Richards, Tyler Jones, Samuel Parrott, Morgan Pavey, Derek Utley, Petraea Whittier, Dan Wilson, and Sarah Wolf. Vocal coaching by Lisa Belay, directed by Alec Wild. Long live the king. Bernardo? He. You come most carefully upon your hour. Tis now struck twelve. Get thee to bed, Francisco. For this relief, much thanks. Tis bitter cold, and I am sick at heart. Have you had quiet guard? Not a mouse stirring. Well, good night. If you do meet Horatio and Marcellus, the rivals of my watch, bid them make haste. Shh, shh, shh. I think I hear them. Stand! Who's there? Friends to this ground. And liegemen to the dame. Give you good night. Oh, farewell, honest soldier. Uh, who hath relieved you? Bernardo has my place. Give you good night. Hola, Bernardo. Say, what? Is Horatio there? A piece of her. Welcome, Horatio. Welcome, good Marcellus. What? Has this thing appeared again tonight? I have seen nothing. Horatio says, "'Tis but our fantasy, and will not let belief take hold of her, touching this dreaded sight twice seen of us. Therefore I have entreated her along with us to watch the minutes of this night, that if again this apparition come, she may approve our eyes and speak to it. <laughs> it will not appear. Sit down a while, and let us once again assail your ears that are so fortified against our story, what we two knights have seen. Well, sit we down, and let us hear Bernardo speak of this. Last night of all, 
when yon same star that's westward from the pole had made his course to illume that part of heaven where now it burns, Marcellus and myself, the bell then beating one. Peace, break thee off. Look where it comes again. In the same figure, like the king that's dead. Thou art a scholar. Speak to it, Horatio. Looks it not like the king? Mark it, Horatio. Most like it harrows me with fear and wonder. It would be spoke to. Question it, Horatio. What art thou that usurps this time of night, together with that fair and warlike form in which the majesty of very Denmark did sometimes march? By heaven, I charge thee, speak! It is offended. See, it stalks away. Stay! Speak! Speak! I charge thee, speak! Tis gone, and will not answer. How now, Horatio? You tremble and look pale. Is not this something more than fantasy? What think you aunt? Before my God, I might not this believe without the sensible and true avouch of mine own eyes. Is it not like the king? As thou art to thyself. Such was the very armor he had on when he the ambitious Norway combated. So frowned he once when in an angry parl he smote his sledded poleaxe on the ice. Tis strange. Thus twice before, and just at this dead hour, with martial stock hath he gone by our watch. In what particular thought to work, I know not. But in the gross and scope of my opinion, this bodes some strange eruption to our state. Good, now sit down, and tell me who is't that knows why this same strict and most observant watch so nightly toils the subject of the land. And why such daily cast of brazen cannon and foreign mart for implements of war? Why such impress of shipwrights whose sore task does not divide the Sunday from the week? What might be toward that the sweaty haste doth make the night joint laborer with the day? Who is that can inform me? Well, that can I. At least the whisper goes so. Our last king whose image even now appeared to us was, as you know, by Fortinbras of Norway. There too, pricked on by a most emulate pride, dared to the combat, in which our valiant Hamlet, for so this side of our known world esteemed him, did slay this Fortinbras, who, by a sealed compact, well ratified by law and heraldry, did forfeit with his life all those his lands which he stood seized upon to the conqueror. Now, Young Fortinbras, of unimproved metal, hot and full, hath in the skirts of Norway, here and there, sharked up a list of lawless resolutes. Now to recover of us by strong hand and terms compulsive, those foresaid lands so by his father lost. And this, I take it, is the main motive of our preparations. Oh, but soft, hold! Hold where it comes again! I'll cross it, though it blast me. Stay, illusion! If there be any good thing to be done that may to thee do ease and grace to me, speak to me! If thou art privy to thy country's fate, which haply for knowing may avoid, oh, speak! Or if thou hast afforded in thy life extorted treasure in the womb of earth, for which they say you spirits oft walk in death, Speak of it! Stay and speak! 
Stop it, Marcellus! Shall I strike at it with my partisan? Do, if it will not stand. Tis here. Tis here! Tis gone. We do it wrong being so majestical to offer it the show of violence. For it is as the air, invulnerable, and our vain blows malicious mockery. It was about to speak when the cock crew. And then it started like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons. I have heard the cock that is the trumpet to the day doth with his lofty and shrill-sounding throat awake the god of day. And at his warning, whether in sea or fire, in earth or air, the extravagant and errant spirit hies to his confines, and of the truth herein this present object made probation. It faded on the crowing of the cock. Some say that ever against that season comes, wherein our Savior's birth is celebrated, the bird of dawning singeth all night long. And then, they say, no spirit can walk abroad. The nights are wholesome, then no planets strike, nor fairy talks, nor witch hath power to charm. So hallowed and so gracious is the time. So have I heard, and do in part believe it. But look, the morn in russet mantle clad walks o'er the dew of yon high eastern hill. Break we our watch up, and by my advice, let us impart what we have seen tonight unto young Hamlet. For by my life, this spirit done to us will speak to him. Do you consent we shall acquaint him with it as needful in our loves, fitting our duty? Let's do it, I pray, and I this morning know where we shall find him most conveniently. Though yet of Hamlet, our dear brother's death, the memory be green, and that it us befitted to bear our hearts in grief, and our whole kingdom to be contracted in one brow of woe, yet so far hath discretion fought with nature that we with wisest sorrow think on him, together with remembrance of ourselves. Therefore, our sometime sister, now our queen, the imperial jointress of this warlike state, have we, as twere with a defeated joy, in equal scale weighing delight and dole, taken to wife. Nor have we herein barred your better wisdoms, which have freely gone with this affair along. For all our thanks. Now follows that you know young Fortinbras hath not failed to pester us with message importing the surrender of those lands lost by his father, with all bonds of law, to our most valiant brother. We have here writ to Norway, uncle of young Fortinbras, who impotent and bedrid scarcely hears of this his niece's purpose, and we here dispatch you, Voltemand, as our ambassador forbearing of this greeting to old Norway, giving to you no further personal power to business with the king more than the scope of these dilated articles allow. Farewell, and let your haste commend your duty. 
In that and all things will I show my duty. We doubt it nothing. Heartily farewell. And now, Laertes, what's the news with you? You told us of some suit. What is it, Laertes? You cannot speak of reason to the Dane and lose your voice. What wouldst thou beg, Laertes? Dread, my lord, your leave and favor to return to France. From whence, though willingly I came to Denmark to show my duty in your coronation, yet now I must confess that duty done, my thoughts and wishes bend again towards France, and bow them to your gracious leave and pardon. Have you your father's leave? What says Polonius? He hath, my lord. I do beseech you, give him leave to go. Take thy fair hour, Laertes. Time be thine, and thy best graces spend it at thy will. But now my cousin Hamlet, and my son... A little more than kin and less than kind. How is it that the clouds still hang on you? Not so, my lord. I am too much in the sun. Good Hamlet, cast thy knightly color off, and let thine eye look like a friend on Denmark. What thou knowst is common, all that lives must die, passing through nature to eternity. Aye, madam, it is common. If it be, why seems it so particular with thee? Seems? Madam. Nay, it is. I know not seems. Tis not alone my inky cloak, good mother, nor customary suits of solemn black, nor the dejected havior of the visage, together with all forms, moods, shows of grief, that can denote me truly. These indeed seem, for they are actions that a man might play. But I have that within which passeth show, these but the trappings and the suits of woe. Tis sweet and commendable in your nature, Hamlet, to give these morning duties to your father. But you must know, your father lost a father. That father lost, lost his. And the survivor, bound in filial obligation for some term to do obsequious sorrow, but to persever in obstinate condolement, is a course of impious stubbornness. Ah. Fie, tis a fault to heaven, a fault against the dead, a fault to nature, to reason most absurd, whose common theme is death of fathers. We pray you throw to earth this unprevailing woe and think of us as a father. For let the world take note, you are the most immediate to our throne, and with no less nobility of love than that which dearest father bears his son, do I impart towards you. For your intent in going back to school in Wittenberg, it is most retrograde to our desire, and we beseech you, bend you, to remain here in the cheer and comfort of our eye, our chiefest courtier cousin, and our son. Let not thy mother lose her prayers, Hamlet. I pray thee, stay with us. Go not to Wittenberg. I shall in all my best obey you, madam. Oh. Why, tis a loving and a fair reply. And there's no health the king shall drink today, but the great cannon to the clouds shall tell the rouse the king shall drink unto Prince Hamlet. Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew, or that the everlasting had not fixed his cannon against self-slaughter. Oh God, oh God, how weary, stale, flat, and unprofitable seem to me all the uses of this world. Fiant, 
Oh, fie, tis an unweeded garden that grows to seed. Things rank and gross in nature possess it merely. That it should come to this. But two months dead. Nay, not so much. Not two. So excellent a king that was to this Hyperion to a satyr. So loving to my mother that he might not beteem the winds of heaven visit her face too roughly. Heaven and earth, must I remember? Why, she would hang on him, as if increase of appetite had grown by what it's fed on, and yet within a month. Let me not think on't. Frailty, thy name is woman. A little month, or ere those shoes were old, with which she followed my poor father's body, like Niobe, all tears. Why, she, even she, oh God, a beast that wants discourse of reason would have mourned longer, married with mine uncle, my father's brother, but no more like my father than I to Hercules, within a month, ere yet the salt of most unrighteous tears had left the flushing of her galled eyes, she married, oh, most wicked speed, to post with such dexterity to incestuous sheets. It is not, nor it cannot come to good. But break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. Hail to your lordship. I am glad to see you well, Horatio, or I do forget myself. The same, my lord, and your poor servant ever. Oh, my good friend, I'll change that name with you. <laughs> and what make you from Wittenberg, Horatio? Uh, Marcellus? My good lord. I am very glad to see you. Uh, good even, sir. My lord. But what in faith make you from Wittenberg? A truant disposition, good my lord. I would not have your enemies say so. Nor shall you do mine ear that violence to make it truster of your own report against yourself. I know you are no truant. But what is your affair in Elsinore? We'll teach you to drink deep ere you depart. Uh, my lord, I came to see your father's funeral. I pray thee, do not mock me, fellow student. I think it was to see my mother's wedding. Indeed, my lord, it followed hard upon. Thrift, thrift, Horatio. The funeral baked meats did coldly furnish forth the marriage tables. Would I had met my dearest foe in heaven ere I had ever seen that day, Horatio. My father, methinks I see my father in Oh, ever. where, my lord? In my mind's eye, Horatio. I saw him once. He was a goodly king. He was a man. Take him for all in all. I shall not look upon his like again. My lord, I think I saw him yesternight. Saw? Who? My lord, the king, your father. The king, my father? Season your admiration for a while with an attent ear till I may deliver upon the witness of these sentinels this marvel to you. For God's love, let me hear. Two nights together have these sentinels, Marcellus and Bernardo, on their watch in the dead waste and middle of the night been thus encountered. A figure, like your father, armed at all points exactly, Capape appears before them. By them thrice he walked, by their oppressed and fear-surprised eyes within his truncheon's length, whilst they, bestilled almost to jelly with the act of fear, stand dumb and speak not to him. This to me in dreadful secrecy in part they did, and I with them the third night kept the watch, where, as they had delivered both in time form of the thing, each word made true and good, the apparition comes. 
I knew your father. These hands are not more like. But where was this? My lord, upon the platform where we walked. Did you not speak to My it? My lord, I did, but answer made it none. Yet once, methought, it lifted up its head and did address itself to motion like as it would speak. But even then, the morning cock crew loud, and at the sound it shrunk in haste away and vanished from our sight. Tis very strange. As I do live, my honored lord, tis true. And we did think it writ down in our duty to let you know of it. Indeed, indeed, friends, but this troubles me. Hold you the watch tonight. We do, my lord. Yes, my lord. Armed, say you. Armed, my lord. Indeed, my lord. From top to toe. My lord, from head yes, to foot. my lord. Then saw you not his face? Oh, yes, my lord, he wore his beaver up. What, looked he frowningly? A countenance more in sorrow than in anger. Pale or red? Nay, very pale. And fixed his eyes upon you? Most constantly. I would I had been there. It would have much amazed you. Very like, very like. Stayed it long. While one with moderate haste might tell a hundred. Longer. Longer, longer, my lord. Oh, not when I saw it. His beard was grizzled? No. It was as I have seen it in his life, a sabled silver. I watch tonight. Perchance twill walk again. I warrant you it will. If it assume my noble father's person, I'll speak to it, though hell itself should gape and bid me hold my peace. I pray you all, if you have hitherto concealed this sight, let it be treble in your silence still, and whatsoever else shall hap tonight, give it an understanding, but no tongue. I will requite your loves, so fare you well. Upon the platform twixt eleven and twelve, I'll visit you. Our duty to your Our honor, to your my lord. lord. Your love is mine to you. Farewell. My father's spirit in arms. All is not well. I doubt some foul play. Would the night were come. Till then, sit still, my soul. Foul deeds will rise, though all the earth o'erwhelm them to men's eyes. My necessaries are embarked. Farewell. And sister, as the winds give benefit and convoy is assistant, do not sleep, but let me hear from you. Do you doubt that? For Hamlet and the trifling of his favors oh. hold it a fashion and a toy in blood, a violet in the youth of primy nature. Hmm. Forward, not permanent. Sweet, not lasting. The suppliance of a minute, no more. No more but so. Think it no more. Perhaps he loves you now, but you must fear. His greatness weighed, his will is not his own, for he himself is subject to his birth. He may not, as unvalued persons do, carve for himself, for on his choice depends the sanctity and health of the whole state. <laughs> then wait what loss your honor may sustain, if with too credent ear you list his songs, or lose your heart, or your chaste treasure open to <laughs> his unmastered <laughs> importunity. Fear it, Ophelia, fear it, my dear sister. And keep within the rear of your affection, out of the shot and danger of desire. Hmm. Virtue itself scapes not calumnious strokes. Be wary then, best safety lies in fear. Youth to itself rebels, though none else near. I shall the effect of this good lesson keep as watchman to my heart. But good my brother, do not, as some ungracious pastors do, show me the steep and thorny <laughs> way to heaven, whilst like a puffed and reckless libertine himself the primrose path of dalliance treads, and reeks not his own reed. Oh, fear me not. Yet here, Laertes, aboard, aboard for shame. The wind sits in the shoulder of your sail, and you are stayed for there. My blessing with you, and these few precepts in thy memory see thou character. 
Give thy thoughts no tongue, nor any unproportioned thought his act. Be thou familiar, but by no means vulgar. The friends thou hast, and their adoption tried, grapple them to thy soul with hoops of steel. But do not dull thy palm with entertainment of each new-hatched, unfledged comrade. Beware of entrance to a quarrel, but been in. Bear it that the opposed may beware of thee. <laughs> Give every man thine ear, but few thy voice. Take each man's censure, but reserve thy judgment. Costly thy habit, as thy purse can buy, but not expressed in fancy. Rich, not gaudy, for the apparel oft proclaims the man. Neither a borrower nor a lender be, for loan oft loses both itself and friend. This above all. To thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. Farewell. My <laughs> blessing season this in thee. Most humbly do I take my leave, my lord. The time invites you. Go, your servants tend. Farewell, Ophelia, and remember well what I have said to you. Tis in my memory locked, and you yourself shall keep the key of it. Farewell. What is, Ophelia, he hath said to you? So, please you, something touching the Lord Hamlet. Marry, well bethought. Tis told me he hath very oft of late given private time to you, and you yourself have of your audience been most free and bounteous. Uh... If it be so, as so tis put on me, and that in way of caution, I must tell you, you do not understand yourself so clearly as it behooves my daughter and your honor. What is between you? Give me up the truth. He hath, my lord, of late made many tenders of his affection to me. Affection? You speak like a green girl, unsifted in such perilous circumstance. Do you believe his tenders, as you call them? My lord, he hath importuned me with love, in honorable fashion. Aye, fashion, you may call it. Go to, go to. And hath given countenance to his speech, my lord, with all the vows of heaven. Aye, springes to catch woodcocks. Oh. I do know when the blood burns how prodigal the soul gives the tongue vows. For this time, daughter, be somewhat scanter of your maiden presence. For Lord Hamlet, believe so much in him that he is young, and with a larger tether may he walk than may be given you. Hmm. In few, Ophelia, do not believe his vows. This is for all. I would not, in plain terms, from this time forth, have you so slander any moment's leisure as to give words or talk with the Lord Hamlet. But, uh, Look to it, I charge you. Come your ways. I shall obey, my lord. The air bites shrewdly. Huh? It is very cold. It is a nipping and an eager air. What hour now? I think it lacks of twelve. No, it is struck. Indeed. I heard it not. Well, then it draws near the season wherein the spirit held his wont to walk. What does this mean, my lord? The king doth wake tonight and takes his rouse, keeps wassels and the swaggering upspring reels, and as he drains his drafts of Rhenish down, the kettle drum and trumpet thus bray out the triumph of his pledge. Is it a custom? 
I marry ist, but to my mind, though I am native here and to the manner born, it is a custom more honored in the breach than the observance. This heavy-handed revel east and west makes us traduced and taxed of other nations. They call us drunkards, and with swinish phrase, soil our addition, and indeed, it takes from our achievements, though performed at height, the pith and marrow of our attribute. So oft it chances in particular men that for some vicious mole of nature in them, their virtues else, be they as pure as grace, shall in the general censure take corruption from that particular fault. Oh, look, my lord, it comes! Angels and ministers of grace defend us. Be thou a spirit of health, or goblin damned, bring with thee airs from heaven, or blasts from hell. Be thy events wicked or charitable, thou comest in such a questionable shape that I will speak to thee. I'll call thee Hamlet. King, father, royal Dane, oh, oh, answer me. Let me not burst in ignorance, but tell why thy canonized bones, hersed in death, have burst their cerements. What may this mean? Say, why is this? Wherefore? What should we do? It beckons you to go away with it, as if it's some impartment did desire to you alone. Look with what courteous action it wafts you to a more removed ground. But do not go with it. No, by no means. It will not speak, then I will follow it. Do not, my lord. Why? What should be the fear? I do not set my life at a pin's fee. And for my soul, what can it do to that, being a thing immortal as itself? It waves me forth again. I'll follow it. What if it tempt you toward the flood, my lord? Or to the dreadful summit of the cliff that beetles o'er his base into the sea, and there assume some other horrible form which might deprive your sovereignty of reason and draw you into madness? Think of it! It wafts me still. Uh, Go on, I'll follow thee. You shall not go, my lord. Hold off your hand. Be ruled, you shall not go. My fate cries out and makes each petty artery in this body as hardy as the Nemean lion's nerve. Still am I called. Unhand me, gentles. By heaven, I'll make a ghost of her that stops me. I say away. Go on, I'll follow thee. He waxes desperate with imagination. Let's follow. Tis not fit thus to obey him. Have after. To what issue will this come? Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Heaven will direct it. Nay, let's follow him. Where wilt thou lead me? Speak. I'll go no further. Mark me. I will. I am thy father's spirit, doomed for a certain term to walk the night, and for the day confined to fast in fires, till the foul crimes done in my days of nature are burnt and purged away. Alas, poor ghost! Pity me not, but lend thy serious hearing to what I shall unfold, but that I am forbid to tell the secrets of my prison house, I could a tale unfold, whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood, 
But this eternal blazing must not be to ears of flesh and blood. List, Hamlet, oh, list, if thou didst ever thy dear father love. Oh, heaven! Revenge his foul and most unnatural murder. Murder? Murder most foul, as in the best it is, but this most foul, strange, and unnatural. Haste, haste me to know it, that I, with wings as swift as meditation or the thoughts of love, may sweep to my revenge. I find the act. Now Hamlet here, it's given out that sleeping in mine orchard a serpent stung me. So the whole ear of Denmark is by a forged process of my death rankly abused. But know, thou noble youth, the serpent that did sting thy father's life now wears his crown. Oh, my prophetic soul, mine uncle. I, that incestuous, that adulterate beast, with witchcraft of his wits, with traitorous gifts, O oh, wicked wit and gifts that have the power so to seduce, one to his shameful lust, the will of my most seeming virtuous queen. But sloth, methinks I sent the morning air. Brief let me be. Sleeping within mine orchard, my custom always in the afternoon, Upon my secure hour thy uncle stole, with juice of cursed heaven on in a vial, and in the porches of mine ears did pour the leprous distillment, whose effect holds such an enmity with blood of man, that swift as quicksilver it courses through the natural gates and alleys of the body and turns the thin and wholesome blood like ear droppings into milk. So did it mine. Thus was I sleeping by a brother's hand of life, of crown and queen at once dispatched, cut off even in the blossom of my sin, no reckoning made but sent to my account with all my imperfections on my head. Oh, horrible, oh, horrible, most horrible. If thou hast nature in thee, bear it not. Let not the royal bed of Denmark be a couch for luxury and damned incest. But howsoever thou pursuest this act, Taint not thy mind, nor let thy soul contrive against thy mother aught. Leave her to heaven, and to those thorns that in her bosom lodge to prick and sting her. Fare thee well at once. Adieu, adieu, Hamlet. Remember me. Oh, all you host of heaven! Oh, earth, what else? And shall I couple hell? Remember thee! Yea, from the table of my memory I'll wipe away all trivial fond records, and thy commandment all alone shall live within the book and volume of my brain, unmixed with baser matter. Yes, yes, by heaven! Oh, most pernicious woman! 
<sighs> oh, villain. Villain. Smiling, damned villain. That one may smile and smile and be a villain. At least I'm sure it may be so in Denmark. So, uncle, there you are. Now to my word, it is adieu, adieu. Remember me. I have sworn. My lord, my lord, my lord, uh, my lord, my lord. How oh, is my noble lord? Oh, news, my lord. Oh, wonderful. Good, my lord, tell it. No, uh, you'll reveal oh, it. Not I, my lord, by heaven. Nor I, my lord. How say you then? Would heart of man once think it? But you'll be secret. I, I by lord. heaven, my lord. There's ne'er a villain dwelling in all Denmark. But he's an errant knave. There needs no ghost, my lord, come from the grave to tell us this. Why, right, you are in the right. And so, without more circumstance at all, I hold it fit that we shake hands and part. You, as your business and desires shall point you, for every one has business and desires, such as it is. And for mine own poor part, look you, I'll go pray. These are but wild and hurling words, my lord. I am sorry they offend you, heartily. Yes, faith, heartily. There's no offense, my lord. Yes, by St. Patrick, but there is, my lord. And much offense, too. Touching this vision here, it is an honest ghost. That, let me tell you, for your desire to know what is between us, or master it as you may. And now, good friends, as you are friends, scholars, and soldiers, give me one poor request. What is it, my lord? We will. Never make known what you have seen tonight. No, oh, my lord. Will not, my lord. Nay, but swear it. In faith, my lord, not I. Nor I, my lord, in faith. Upon my sword. We have sworn, my lord, already. Indeed, upon my sword, indeed. Swear. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, sayst thou so? Art thou there, Tupany? Come on. You hear this fellow in the cellarage. Consent to swear. Propose the oath, my lord. Never to speak of this that you have seen. Swear by my sword. Swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, day oh. and night, but this is wondrous strange. And therefore, as a stranger, give it welcome. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in our philosophy. But come, here as before, never, so help you mercy, how strange or odd some air I bear myself. As I perchance hereafter shall think me to put an antic disposition on, that you, at such time seeing me, never shall, with arms encumbered thus, or thus head shake, or by pronouncing of some doubtful phrase, or such ambiguous giving out to note that you know aught of me, this not to do, so grace and mercy at your most need help you, swear. 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 We, we swear. swear. Rest, rest, perturbed spirit. So, gentles, let us go in together and still your fingers on your lips, I pray. The time is out of joint. Oh, cursed spite that ever I was born to set it right. Nay, come, let's go together. How now, Ophelia, what's the matter? Alas, my lord. I have been so affrighted. With what in the name of heaven? My lord, as I was sewing in my chamber, 
Lord Hamlet, with his doublet all unbraced, no hat upon his head, his stockings fouled, ungartered, and down jived to his ankle, pale as his shirt, his knees knocking each other, and with a look so piteous in purport as if he had been lucid out of hell to speak of horrors, he comes before me. Mad for thy love? My lord, I do not know, but truly I do fear it. What said he? He took me by the wrist and held me hard. <laughs> then goes he to the length of all his arm, and with his other hand, thus o'er his brow, he falls to such perusal of my face as he would draw it. Long stayed he so. At last, a little shaking of mine arm, and thrice his head thus waving up and down, he raised a sigh so piteous and profound. That it did seem to shatter all his bulk and end his being. That done, he lets me go, and with his head over his shoulder turned, he seemed to find his way without his eyes. For out of doors he went without their help, and to the last, bended their light on me. Go with me, I will go seek the king. This is the very ecstasy of love. What? Have you given him any hard words of late? No, my good lord. But, as you did command, I did repel his letters and denied his access to me. That hath made him mad. Oh. I am sorry that with better speed and judgment I had not quoted him. I feared he did but trifle and meant to wreck thee. Come, go we to the king. This must be known, which being kept close might move more grief to hide than hate to utter love. Welcome, dear Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Moreover, that we much did long to see you, the need we have to use you did provoke our hasty sending. Something have you heard of Hamlet's transformation? So I call it, since not the exterior nor the inward man resembles that it was. What it should be more than his father's death, that thus hath put him so much from the understanding of himself, I cannot deem of. I entreat you both, that being of so young days brought up with him, that you vouchsafe your rest here in our court some little time, so by your companies to draw him on to pleasures, and to gather so much as from occasions you may glean. That opened lies within our remedy. Good gentlewomen, he hath much talked of you, and sure I am two friends there are not living to whom he more adheres. If it will please you to show us so much gentry and goodwill as to expend your time with us a while for the supply and profit of our hope, your visitation shall receive such thanks as fits a king's remembrance. Both your majesties might, by the sovereign power you have of us, put your dread pleasures more into command than to entreaty. We both oh. obey. And here give up ourselves in the full bent to lay our services freely at your feet to be commanded. 
Thanks, Rosencrantz and gentle Guildenstern. Uh, thanks, Guildenstern and gentle Rosencrantz. <sighs> and I beseech you instantly to visit my too much changed son. Heavens, make our presence and our practices pleasant and helpful to him. Amen. Welcome, Polonius. And dear Ophelia. My duty to your majesty. Heaven keep your honors both. The ambassador from Norway, my good lord, is joyfully returned. Thou still hast been the father of good news. Have I, my lord? Assure you, my good liege, I hold my duty as I hold my soul, both to my god and to my gracious king. And I do think, or else this brain of mine hunts not the trail of policy so sure as I have used to do, I have found the very cause of Hamlet's lunacy. Oh, speak of that. That I do long to hear. Give first admittance to the ambassador. My news shall be the fruit to that great feast. Thyself do grace to her, and bring her in. Mm. He tells me, my sweet queen, that he hath found the head and source of all your son's distemper. I doubt it is no other but the main, his father's death, and our or hasty marriage. Well... We shall sift him. Welcome, good friends. Uh, say, Voltamand, what from our brother Norway? Most fair return of greetings and desires. Upon our first, he sent out to suppress his niece's levies, which to him appeared to be a preparation against the pole, but better looked into. He truly found it was against your highness, where it grieved that so his sickness, age, and impotence was falsely born in hand, sends out arrests on Fortinbras, which she in brief obeys, receives rebuke from Norway, and in fine, makes vow before her uncle never more to give the assay of arms against your majesty. Whereon old Norway, overcome with joy, gives her 3,000 crowns in annual fee, and his commission to employ those soldiers so levied as before against the pole, with an entreaty, herein further shown, that it might please you to give quiet pass through your dominions for her enterprise on such regards of safety and allowance as therein are set down. It likes us well, and at our more considered time we'll read, answer, and think upon this business. Meantime, we thank you for your well-took labor. Go to your rest. At night we'll feast together. Most welcome home. This business is very well ended. My liege and madam, to expostulate what majesty should be, what duty is, why day is day, night night, and time is time, were nothing but to waste night, day, and time. Therefore, since brevity is the soul of wit, <laughs> and tediousness the limbs and outward flourishes, I will be brief. Your noble son is mad. Mad call I it, for to define true madness, what is't but to be nothing else but mad? But let that go. More matter with less art? Madam, I swear I use no art at all. That he is mad, tis true. Tis true, tis pity, and pity, tis, tis true. A foolish figure, but farewell it, for I will use no art. Mad let us grant him then. And now remains that we find out the cause of this effect, or rather say, the cause of this defect. For this effect defective comes by cause. Thus it remains, and the remainder thus. Perpend. 
Here is my daughter. Heaven keep your highness. Thanks, pretty lady. She, in her duty and obedience, Mark, hath given me this. Now, gather and surmise. <clears throat> to the Lush celestial and, and my soul's, soul's idol, idol, the most, the most beautified, beautified Ophelia. Ophelia. That's an ill phrase, a vile phrase. A beautified is a vile phrase, but you shall hear. Uh, thus, in her, her excellent, excellent white, white bosom. Ooh, um, Etc. Um, Came this from Hamlet to you? I, madam. Oh, good madam, oh. stay a while. I will be faithful. Now, doubt thou the stars are fire. Doubt, doubt that the sun, that the sun, doth, sun move. doth move. Doubt truth to be a liar. But never doubt I love. Oh, dear Ophelia, I am ill at these numbers. I have not art to reckon my groans. But that I love thee best, oh, most best, believe it. Adieu. Thine evermore, most dear lady, whilst this machine is to him. Hamlet. This in obedience hath my daughter showed me, and more above hath his soliciting, as they fell out by time, by means and place, all given to mine ear. But how hath you received his love, Ophelia? My honored lord. What do you think of me? As of a man, faithful and honorable. I would fain prove so. But what might you think? When I had seen this hot love on the wing, as I perceived it, I went round to work. And my young mistress thus I did bespeak. Lord Hamlet is a prince out of thy star. This must not be. And then I precepts oh. gave her that she should lock herself from his resort, admit no messengers, receive no tokens, which done, she took the fruits of my advice, and he repulsed. A short tale to make fell into a sadness, then into a fast, thence to a watch, thence into a weakness, thence to a lightness, and by this declension into the madness, whereon now he raves and all we wail for. Do you think tis this? It may be. <laughs> Very likely. How may we try it further? Mary, my good lord, thus. The prince's walk is here in the gallery. There let Ophelia walk until he comes. Yourself and I will stand close in the study. There shall you hear the effect of all his heart. And if it prove any otherwise than love, let me be no assistant for a state. We will try it. Oh, but look where sadly the poor wretch comes reading. Madam, will it please your grace to leave us here? With all my heart. And here, Ophelia, read you on this prayer book. <laughs> and see you make discourse with young Lord Hamlet. Render him back the letters he did write you. And you shall hear, my lord, how he does rave. Mm. Now, walk aloof. The king shall be unseen. Yeah. To be, or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them. To die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream. Ay, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. 
There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the presser's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of disprised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes when he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin? Who would these fardels bear to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler returns, puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of? Thus conscience does make cowards of us all. And thus the native hue of resolution is sickly o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pitch and moment with this regard their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. Soft you now. The fair Ophelia. Nymph, in thy orisons be all my sins remembered. Good, my lord. How does your honor for this many a day? I humbly thank you. Uh, well, uh, my lord, I have remembrances of yours that I have longed long to re-deliver. I pray you now receive them. No, not I. I never gave you aught. My honored lord, I know right well you did. And with them, words of so sweet breath composed as made the things more rich. That perfume lost, Take these again, for to the noble mind, rich gifts wax poor when givers prove unkind. There, my lord. Are you honest? My lord. Are you fair? What means your lordship? That if you be honest and fair, your honesty should admit no discourse to your beauty. Could beauty, my lord, have better commerce than with honesty? Aye, truly. For the power of beauty will sooner transform honesty from what it is to a bawd than the force of honesty can translate beauty into his likeness. This was some time a paradox, but now the time gives it proof. I did love you once. Indeed, my lord, you made me believe so. You should not have believed me. For virtue cannot so inoculate our old stock, but we shall relish of it. I loved you not. I was the more deceived. Get thee to a nunnery. <laughs> Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? Hmm? I am myself indifferent, honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things as it were better my mother had not borne me. I am very proud, revengeful, ambitious, with more offenses at my back than I have thoughts to put them in, imagination to give them shape, or time to act them in. What should such fellows as I do, crawling between heaven and earth? We are errant knaves all, believe none of us. Go thy ways to a nunnery. I... Where's your father? At home, my lord. <laughs> Let the doors be shut upon him, that he may play the fool nowhere but in his own house. To a nunnery go. Oh, help him, you sweet heavens. If thou dost marry, I'll give thee this plague <laughs> for thy dowry. Be thou as chaste as ice, as pure as snow. Thou shalt not escape calumny. Get thee to a nunnery, go! Alas, 
what change is this? But if thou wilt needs marry, marry a fool. <laughs> For wise men know well enough what monsters you make of them. To a nunnery go, and quickly to. Oh, heavenly powers, restore him. I have heard of your paintings too well enough. God has given you one face, and you make yourselves another. You jig, you amble, and you lisp. You nickname God's creatures, and make your wantonness your ignorance. Go to, I'll no more on't. It hath made me mad. Oh. I say we will have no more marriages. Those that are married already, all but one, shall live. The rest shall keep as they are. To a nunnery go, to a nunnery go! What a noble mind is here o'erthrown! The courtiers, scholars, soldiers, eye, tongue, sword, the expectancy and rose of the fair state, the glass of fashion and the mold of form, the observed of all observers, quite, quite down. And I, of ladies most deject and wretched, that sucked the honey of his music vows, now see that noble and most sovereign reason, like sweet bells jangled out of tune and harsh, that unmatched form and feature of blown youth, blasted with ecstasy. Oh, woe is me to have seen what I have seen, see what I see. Love? His affections do not that way tend, nor what he spake, though it lacked form a little, was not like madness. No, love is not the cause. Some deeper thing it is that troubles him, and I do doubt the hatch and the disclose will be some danger, which for to prevent, I have in quick determination thus set it down, he shall with speed to England for the demand of our neglected tribute. It shall do well, but yet I do believe the origin and commencement of his grief sprung from neglected love. My lord, content you a while. I will myself go feel him. Let me work. I'll try him every way. See where he comes. Send you those friends to him. Let me alone to find the depth of this. Away, be gone! <clears throat> now, my good lord, do you know me? Excellent, excellent, well, you're a fishmonger. Not I, my lord. Then I would you were so honest a man. Honest, my lord. Aye, sir, to be honest, as this world goes, is to be one man picked out of ten thousand. That's very true, my lord. For if the sun breed maggots in a dead dog, being a god, kissing carrion, have you a daughter? I have, my lord. Let her not walk in the sun. Conception is a blessing, but not as your daughter may conceive. Friend, look to't. How say you by that, still harping on my daughter? Yet he knew me not at first. He said I was a fishmonger. He is far gone, far gone. And truly, in my youth, I suffered much extremity for love. Very near this. I'll speak to him again. What do you read, my lord? Words, words, words. What is the matter, my lord? Between who? I mean the matter you read, my lord. Ah, slanders, sir. 
For the satirical slave says here that old men have gray beards, that their faces are wrinkled, and that they have a plentiful lack of wit together with weak legs, all which, oh. sir, though I most powerfully and potently believe, yet I hold it not honesty to have it thus set down. For you yourself, sir, should be as old as I am, if like a crab you could go backward. Though this be madness, yet there is method in it. Will you walk out of the air, my lord? Into my grave? Indeed, that is out of the air. How pregnant sometimes his replies are. My honorable lord, I will most humbly take my leave of you. You cannot, sir, take from me anything that I will more willingly part with all. Except my life. Except my life. Fare you well, my lord. These tedious old fools. Do you go to seek my lord Hamlet? There he is. God save you, sir. Mine honored lord. Oh. My most dear lord. Oh, my excellent good friends. Oh, how dost thou, Guildenstern? Oh, Rosencrantz. Good friends, how do ye both? As the indifferent children of the earth. Happy in that we are not over happy. On Fortune's cap, we are not the very button. Nor the soles of her shoe. <laughs> oh, neither, my lord. <laughs> then you live about her waist or in the middle of her favor. Faith, her privates, we. <laughs> in the secret parts of Fortune. Oh, most true. She is a strumpet. <laughs> What's the news? None, my lord, but that the world's grown honest. Oh, then is doomsday near. <laughs> but your news is not true. Let me question more in particular. What have you, my good friends, deserved at the hands of fortune that she sends you to prison hither? Prison, my lord? Denmark's a prison. Then is the world one. A goodly one, in which there are many confines, wards, and dungeons, Denmark being one of the worst. We think not so, my lord. Why, then, tis none to you, for there is nothing, either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. To me, it is a prison. Why, then, your ambition makes it one. Tis too narrow for your mind. Oh, God, I could be bounded in a nutshell and count myself a king of infinite space. But in the beaten way of friendship, what make you at Elsinore? To visit you, my lord. No other occasion. Huh. Beggar that I am, I am even poor in thanks. But I thank you. And sure, dear friends, my thanks are too dear a halfpenny. Were you not sent for? Is it your own inclining? Uh, Is it a free visitation? Uh, come, deal justly with me. Come, come. Nay, speak. What should we say, my lord? Why, anything. Oh, but to the purpose you were sent for. And there is a kind of confession in your looks which your modesties have not craft enough to color. I know the good king and queen have sent for you. To what end, my lord? Oh, that you must teach me. But let me conjure you by the rights of our fellowship, by the consonancy of our youth, by the obligation of our ever-preserved love, be even and direct with me whether you were sent for or no. What say you? My lord, we were sent for. I will tell you why. So shall my anticipation prevent your discovery of your secrecy to the king and queen. I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, foregone all custom of exercise. And indeed, it goes so heavy with my disposition that this goodly frame the earth seems to me a sterile promontory. 
This most excellent canopy the air. Look you, this brave or hanging, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire. Why, it appears no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapors. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason. How infinite in faculty, in form and moving. How express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. Rosencrantz. No, nor woman neither, though by your smiling you seem to say so. My lord, there was no such stuff in my thoughts. Why did you laugh when I said man delights not me? To think, my lord, if you delight not in man, what Lenten entertainment the players shall receive huh. from you. We met them on the way, and hither are they coming to uh, offer you service. He that plays the king shall be welcome. His majesty shall have tribute of me. The adventurous knight shall use his foil and target. The lover shall not sigh gratis. The humorous man shall end his part in peace. The clown shall make men <laughs> laugh. And the lady shall say her mind freely, or the blank verse shall halt for it. <laughs> there are the players. Gentle friends, you are welcome to Elsinore. Oh, your hands come. You are welcome. But my uncle, father, and aunt, mother are deceived. In what, my dear lord? I am but mad north-northwest. When the wind is southerly, I know a hawk from a handsaw. Well be with you, gentles. I will prophesy. He comes to tell me of the players. My lord, I have news to tell you. My lord, I have news to tell you. When Rossius was an actor in Rome... The, in the actors year... are come hither, my lord. <laughs> buzz, buzz. Upon mine honor, the best actors in the world... Either for tragedy, comedy, history, pastoral, pastoral comical, historical pastoral, tragical historical, tragical comical, historical pastoral, scene individable or poem unlimited. Seneca cannot be too heavy, nor Plautus too light. These are the only players. Oh. Oh. You're welcome, masters. Welcome all. Glad to see thee well. Welcome, good friends. Oh, my old friend. Thy face has changed since I saw thee last. Masters, you are all welcome. We'll have a speech straight. Come, give us a taste of your quality. Come, a passionate speech. What speech, my lord? I heard thee speak me a speech once, but it was never acted. Or if it was, not above once. For the play, I remember, pleased not the million. T'was caviar to the general. But it was an excellent play. One speech in it I chiefly loved. T'was Aeneas' tale to Dido, and thereabout of it especially, where he speaks of Priam's slaughter. That's good. If it live in your memory, begin at this line. Uh, uh, let me see. Let me see. The, the rugged Pyrrhus like the Arcanian beast. Uh, it is not so. It begins with Pyrrhus. The, the rugged Pyrrhus. Anon he finds him. Striking too short at Greeks. His antic sword, rebellious to his arm, lies where it falls, repugnant to command. Unequal match, Pyrrhus at Priam drives, in rage strikes wide. But with the whiff and wind of his fell sword, the unnerved <laughs> father falls. 
Then senseless Ilium, seeming to feel his blow, with flaming top stoops to his base, and with a hideous crash takes prisoner Pyrrhus' ear. For lo, his sword, which was declining on the milky head of Reverend Priam, seemed the heir to stick. So as a painted tyrant Pyrrhus stood, and like a neutral to his will and matter, did nothing. This is too long. It shouts at the barbers with your beard. Prithee, say on. He's for a jig or a tale of baudry, or he sleeps. Say on. Come to Hecuba. But who? Oh, who had seen the ennobled queen? The ennobled queen? That's good. Ennobled queen is good. Run, barefoot, up and down, threatening the flame with bison room. A clout about that head where late the diadem stood, and for a robe about her lank and all o'er teemed loins. A blanket in the alarm of fear caught up. Who this had seen, with tongue in venom steeped against fortune's state, would treason have pronounced? But if the gods themselves did see her then, when she saw Paris make malicious sport in mincing with his sword her husband's limbs, the instant burst of clamor that she made, unless things mortal move them not at all, would have made milch the burning eyes of heaven and passion in the gods. Mm -hmm. oh. My lord, if he hath not turned his color and has tears in his eyes, pray you no more. Tis well. I'll have thee speak out the rest soon. Good my lord, will you see the players well bestowed? Ah. Gee here, let them be well used, for they are the abstracts and brief chronicles of the time. After your death, you were better have a bad epitaph than their ill report while you live. <laughs> my lord, I will use them according to their desert. God's bodkins, man, better! Use every man after his desert, and who should scape whipping? Use them after your own honor and dignity. The less they deserve, the more merit is in your bounty. Take them in. Come all, this way. Come this all way, right. please. All right. Follow him, friends. We'll hear a play tomorrow. Hey. Dost thou hear, old friend? Can you play the murder of Gonzago? Aye, my lord. We'll have tomorrow night. You could, for a need, study a speech of some dozen or sixteen lines, which I would set down and insert in. Could you not? Aye, my lord. Very well. Follow that lord, and look you, mock him not. <laughs> ah, my good friends, I'll leave you till night. You are welcome to Elsinore. I so, God by ye. Now I am alone. Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in a fiction, in a dream of passion, could force his soul so to his whole conceit that from her working all his visage warmed? Tears in his eyes, distraction in suspect, a broken voice, and his whole function suiting with forms to his conceit, and all for nothing. For Hecuba? What's Hecuba to him, or he to Hecuba, that he should weep for her? What would he do had he the motive and the cue for passion that I have? 
he would drown the sage with tears and cleave the general ear with horrid speech, make mad the guilty and appall the free, confound the ignorant and amaze indeed the very faculty of eyes and ears. Yet I, a dull and muddy-metalled rascal, peak and can say nothing, no, not for a king, upon whose property and most dear life a damned defeat was made. Am I a coward? Who calls me villain? Breaks my pate across? Plucks off my beard and blows it in my face? Tweaks me by the nose, gives me the lie in the throat, as deep as to the lungs? Who does me this? Huh? Why, I should take it. For it cannot be, but I am pigeon-livered and lack gall to make oppression bitter, or ere this I should have fatted all the region kites with this slave's awful. Bloody, bawdy, villain, remorseless, treacherous, lecherous, kindless villain. Oh, vengeance! <sighs> what an ass am I. I sure, this is most brave, that I, the son of a dear father murdered, prompted to my revenge by heaven and hell, must, like a whore, unpack my heart with words, and fall a-cursing like a very drab, a scullion, fiant, fuck, about my brain. I have heard that guilty creatures sitting at a play have by the very cunning of the scene been struck so to the soul that presently they have proclaimed their malefactions. For murder, though it have no tongue, will speak with most miraculous organ. I'll have these players play something like the murder of my father before mine uncle. I'll observe his looks, I'll rent him to the quick. If he but blench, I know my course. The spirit that I have seen may be the devil, and the devil hath power to assume a pleasing shape. Yea, and perhaps out of my weakness and my melancholy, as he is very potent with such spirits, abuses me to damn me. I'll have grounds more relative than this. The play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. And can you, by no drift of circumstance, get from him why he puts on this confusion? He does confess he feels himself distracted, but from what cause he will by no means speak. Nor do we find him forward to be sounded, but with a crafty madness keeps aloof. Did he receive you well? Most like a gentleman. But with much forcing of his disposition. Did you say him to any pastime? Madam, it so fell out that certain players we overtook on the way. Of these we told him, and there did seem in him a kind of joy to hear of it. They are about the court, and as I think, they have already ordered this knight to play before him. <laughs> Tis most true. And he beseeched me to entreat your majesties to hear and see the matter. With all my heart. Oh. And it doth much content me to hear him so inclined. Uh, good gentlewomen, give him a further edge, and drive his purpose on to these delights. We shall, my lord. Sweet Gertrude, you'll see this play. My lord, I will. And it joys me at the soul he is inclined to any kind of mirth. Madam, <laughs> I pray be ruled by me, and my good sovereign. 
Give me leave to speak. What is Polonius? We cannot yet find out the very ground of his distemperance. Therefore, my good lord, soon when the sports are done, the play is finished, Madam, send you in haste to speak with him, and I myself will stand behind the heiress. There question you the cause of all his grief, and then, in love and nature unto you, he'll tell you all. My lord, how think you on? It likes us well. Gertrude, uh, what say you? With all my heart. Soon will I send for him. Myself will be that happy messenger, who hopes his grief will be revealed to her. Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it, as many of your players do, I had as lief the town crier had spoke my lines, nor do not saw the air too much with your hand thus, but use all gently, for in the very torrent, tempest, and, as I say, the whirlwind of passion, you must acquire and beget a temperance that may give it smoothness. Uh, be not too tame, neither, but let your own discretion be your tutor. Suit the action to the word, and the word to the action, with this special observance, that you o'erstep not the modesty of nature, for anything so overdone is from the purpose of playing. <laughs> Go make you ready. I warrant your honor. How now, my lord? Will the king hear this piece of work? And the queen, too, and that presently. <laughs> Bid the players make haste. Uh -huh. What ho, Horatio! Here, sweet lord, at your service. Horatio, thou art e'en as just a woman as e'er my conversation coped with all. Oh, my dear lord? Nay, do not think I flatter. You are not passion's slave, and I will wear thee in my heart's core. Aye, in my heart of hearts. There is a play tonight before the king. One scene of it comes near the circumstance which I have told thee of my father's death. I prithee, when thou seest that act afoot, observe mine uncle. If his occulted guilt do not itself unkennel in one speech, it is a damned ghost that we have seen. And my imaginations are as foul as Vulcan's stithy. Give him needful note, for I, mine eyes, will rivet to his face, and after we will both our judgments join to censure of his seeming. Well, my lord, hmm. mine eyes shall still be ever on his face, and not the smallest alteration that shall appear in him, but I shall note it. <laughs> they are coming to the play. I must be idle. Get you a place. How fares our cousin Hamlet? Excellent, if faith, of the chameleon's dish. I eat the air, promise crammed. You cannot feed capons, so. I have nothing with this answer, Hamlet. These words are not mine. No, nor mine. Now, my lord, hmm. you played once in the university, you say? That I did, my lord, and was accounted a good actor. And what did you enact? I did enact Julius Caesar. I was killed at the Capitol. Brutus killed me. It was a brute part of him to kill so capital a calf there. <laughs> Be the players ready, Rosencrantz. Aye, my lord, they stay upon your patience. Come hither, my good Hamlet. Sit by me. No, good mother, here's metal more attractive. Oh, ho, do you mark that? Still on my daughter. Lady Ophelia, shall I lie in your lap? No, my lord. I mean, my head upon your lap. Uh, aye, my lord. Do you think I meant country matters? I think nothing, my lord. Well, that's a fair thought to lie between maids' legs. What is, my lord? Nothing. 
You are merry, my lord? Who I? I, my lord. Oh, God, what should a man do but be merry? For look you how cheerfully my mother looks, and my father died within two hours. Nay, hey, tis twice two months, my lord. So long? Then there's hope a great man's memory may outlive his life half a year. For us and for our tragedy, here stooping to your clemency, we beg your hearing patiently. Is this a prologue or the posy of a ring? Tis brief, my lord. <laughs> As woman's love. Full forty years are past. Their date is gone, since happy time joined both our hearts as one. And now the blood that filled my youthful veins runs weakly in their pipes, and all the strains of music, which once did please mine ear, is now a burthen that age cannot bear. And therefore, sweet, Nature must have his due. To heaven must I, and leave the earth with you. Oh, say not so, lest that you kill my heart. When death takes you, let life from me depart. Content thyself. When ended is my date, thou mayst perchance have a more noble mate, more wise, more youthful, and one who- Oh, confound the rest! Such love must needs beat reason in my breast. In second husband let me be accursed, none wed the second, but who killed the first. Wormwood, wormwood. The instances that second marriage move are base respects of thrift, but none of love. A second time I kill my husband dead when second husband kisses me in bed. I do believe you, sweet, what now you speak. But what we do determine, oft we break. Our wills and fates do so contrary run that our devices still are overthrown. Our thoughts are ours. There ends none of our own. So think thou wilt no second husband wed, but die thy thoughts when thy first lord is dead. Nor earth to give me food, nor heaven light, sport and repose lock from me day and night. Each opposite that blanks the face of joy meet what I would have well and it destroy, both here and hence Pursue me lasting strife, if once a widow, ever I be wife. If she should break it now. Tis deeply sworn. Sweet, leave me here a while, but my spirits grow dull, and fain I would beguile the tedious day with sleep. Sleep rock thy brain, <sighs> and never come mischance between us twain. <laughs> Madam, how like you this clay? The lady protests too much, methinks. Oh, but she'll keep her word. Have you heard the argument? Is there no offense in it? No, no, they do but jest, poison in jest, no offense in the world. What do you call the play? The mousetrap. The play is the image of a murder done in Vienna. It is a knavish piece of work, but what of that? 
Your majesty and we that have free souls, it touches us not. This is one Lucianus, nephew to the king. Begin, murderer. Thoughts black, hands apt, drugs fit, and time agreeing. Confederate season else, no creature seeing. Thou mixture rank of midnight weeds collected with Hecate's bane, thrice blasted, thrice infected. Thy natural magic and dire property, unwholesome life, usurp immediately. He poisons him in the garden for his estate. His name's Gonzago. You shall see anon how the murderer gets the love of Gonzago's wife. The king rises. What? Frighted with false fire? How fares, my lord? Give me some light. Away! Give o'er the plague. Light! 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 Light!